It's Tuesday, January 14th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. One month after a deadly shooting in Pensacola, Florida, the Justice Department is still trying to investigate what happened. But there's one thing standing in the way of investigators. So far, Apple has not given any substantive assistance. Then, ahead of tonight's Democratic presidential debate, we've got a preview of what will and won't be on stage. And finally, a rapper in Pittsburgh takes freestyling to the extreme. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story of the day is about a standoff between the Justice Department and Apple. Yeah, the tech company. A month after a deadly shooting at a naval base in Florida, Attorney General Bill Barr said Apple was making it more difficult for the Justice Department to carry out an investigation. We have asked Apple for their help in unlocking the shooter's phones. So far, Apple has not given any substantive assistance. So today we're going to get into what exactly happened last month, why the government and Apple are clashing over it, and what happens next. Let's get into it by going back to December 6th. Overnight, a scene we've watched play out in so many American communities. What sparked a deadly shooting at a Florida Navy base on Friday morning? At 6.50 in the morning, local police got reports of an active shooter at the Naval Air Station in Pensacola, Florida. It was the second shooting at a U.S. naval base that week. Two days earlier, two people had been killed at the Pearl Harbor Naval Shipyard in Hawaii. This time, a gunman opened fire in a classroom building on the Pensacola base, killing three people and wounding eight others. The gunman was killed by law enforcement on the scene. This was an act of terrorism. The evidence shows that the shooter was motivated by jihadist ideology. That was A.G. Bill Barr again yesterday. The gunman was a member of the Saudi Air Force. Saudi Arabia had been paying for him and hundreds of others to train with the U.S. military. It was part of a special program that included English classes and pilot training. The government is continuing its investigation into the shooting and the gunman's motives, but they say they've reached an impasse. Why? Because they can't unlock the shooter's iPhone. Actually, his two iPhones. The gunman had apparently shot one of his phones during his shootout with the police. And his second phone was found damaged as well. Investigators were able to cobble the phones back together to try to search them. But that's easier said than done, since both phones were still locked and encrypted. And the DOJ says Apple won't unlock them. This has been a point of contention between the Justice Department and Apple that goes back years. For a while, the DOJ would reach out to Apple for help unlocking phones during investigations. And Apple would often say, sure, no prob. But then in 2014, Apple changed how it encrypted iPhone data so that it couldn't get data from anyone's locked phone, even criminal suspects. Apple execs told the government, if we let you guys access phones, then hackers and foreign governments might get access too and exploit the software. That obviously wouldn't be good for anyone. The Obama administration fought Apple hard on this issue. Remember the shooting in San Bernardino back in 2015? 14 people were killed, and Apple refused to unlock the shooter's phone, even though the company was under a court order to do it. The two sides were locked in a stalemate until finally, the Justice Department blinked. They broke into the phone without Apple's help, thanks to some help from a private company. But now the Justice Department is once again trying to get Apple to give him a hand. To be clear, Apple says it has helped out, 
Even though the company won't unlock the phone, it did give investigators access to the gunman's iCloud account and data showing his transactions on multiple accounts. But Barr says they need more, and that this is about more than just one shooting. We call on Apple and other technology companies to help us find a solution so that we can better protect the, the lives of American people and prevent future attacks. So what's next? Well, Barr insists that officials really need to get into those phones. Specifically, the DOJ wants to know if the shooter shared any info before his attack on encrypted apps like Signal or WhatsApp. Still, Apple is saying they can't give much more info to good guys like the government without compromising their tech and making their phones vulnerable to bad guys. So it's unclear which side will blink first. In the meantime, Barr has two options. He could try the court order thing, like last time. When he was asked about this option yesterday, he declined to comment. Also like last time, Barr could decide to go it alone and hire hackers to get into the phones. So what's the skim? There are lots of concerns these days about data privacy. You've probably been hearing a lot about it from all your apps after California passed a big data privacy law that took effect January 1st. That's a story for another day, though. Apple has said it takes users' data seriously and that in order to protect everyone's privacy, they've got to encrypt so much that even they can't break into their own phones. But the Justice Department is saying there should be exceptions, like in criminal investigations. Apple says exceptions make us all more vulnerable. For now, it looks like this is the kind of thing that is only likely to get settled in court. It's 2020 Tuesday, and to celebrate, we've got a big Democratic debate on tap tonight. And CNN's ads for it make it sound like a superhero movie. The last debate before the first vote. Biden, Sanders, Warren, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Stein. Can you feel the excitement? We're just weeks away from the Iowa caucuses on February 3rd. Polls in Iowa show Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Pete Buttigieg duking it out for the top spot. And there's been some extra drama this week after Warren claimed that Sanders once told her a female presidential candidate couldn't win. Ouch. That's almost certain to come up tonight. But there are a few important topics that, even though they probably won't come up tonight, are still worth keeping in mind as you watch. The first one has to do with, what else? Money. Former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg has already spent $200 million on campaign ads. And he might even put a billion dollars of his fortune into the race. That's allowing Bloomberg to run a national campaign versus competing in early states. And it means Bloomberg doesn't need to raise money. How liberating. But it also means Bloomberg won't be on stage tonight, since one criteria for qualifying is having more than 200,000 individual donors. Turns out, money can't buy everything. Another thing you might not hear in tonight's debate in Iowa is whether or not its caucus should matter so much in the nominating process. Iowa, being the first in the nation to vote in the Democratic primaries, has been a tradition since 1972. And supporters of that tradition say the smallness of the state allows candidates with less money or name recognition to still meet voters face-to-face -face and maybe build grassroots support. But more and more Democrats and even some candidates are saying Iowa voters don't necessarily reflect the country Democrats are running to lead. Iowa's population is more than 90% white. That's a way bigger share than the U.S. as a whole, which is 60% white. 
and Election Day battleground states like Florida and Arizona are even more diverse. Here was former 2020 Democratic candidate Julian Castro on Iowa's CBS TV affiliate last year. We can't say to black women, oh, thank you, thank you, you're the ones that are powering our victories in places like Alabama and in 2018, and then turn around and start our nominating contest in the two states that have barely any black people in them. I mean, that doesn't make sense. We should say the two states Castro referenced there are Iowa and New Hampshire, which is even less diverse than Iowa. And with candidates of color like Kamala Harris and Cory Booker dropping out of the race before anyone's cast a ballot, questions about whether Iowa deserves its number one spot are likely to keep coming up, even if they're left out of tonight's debate. A third thing you might not hear tonight has to do with polling. See, in addition to having enough donors, the other criteria for making tonight's debate was reaching a certain threshold of support in a set number of national or early state polls. But political analysts and some other 2020 candidates are complaining that there haven't been enough polls, period. Take entrepreneur Andrew Yang, who narrowly missed the cut for tonight's debate. Yang says he may have qualified if there'd been more polls. And he's calling for the Democratic Party to sponsor its own polls rather than relying on media companies to fill in the gaps. Here he was on Iowa's PBS affiliate earlier this month, after a more than 40-day period in which no qualifying polls came out of Iowa. If there aren't polls in the period, then I would suggest that is not an appropriate standard to hold campaigns to. Because how can you actually meet a threshold if there are no polls? Tonight's debate begins at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can watch online at DesMoinesRegister.com or at CNN.com. For a full recap, check out The Daily Skim in your inbox tomorrow morning. Ladies and gentlemen, they bet on women. That was the tweet this morning from WNBA star Chine Ogwumike, celebrating a historic day in women's pro basketball. That's because WNBA players fought for and finally got a raise and new benefits. Slam dunk. Today, the league and its players agreed to an eight-year contract that will allow top players to make almost three times as much money, which could prevent stars from leaving to play overseas to try to make a better living. Players who are also moms will get new benefits too, like paid maternity leave, a $5,000 annual childcare stipend, and two-bedroom apartments. And when it comes to away games, players will get to fly premium economy. So this giant leap for female athletes comes with a few extra inches of legroom, too. For more on the fight for equal pay in sports, check out our audio deep dive available only in the Skim app. Head to the App Store to download and start your free trial today. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Pittsburgh, where local Emmy Award-winning rapper FRZY, or Frizzy, has possibly broken the Guinness World Record for the longest freestyle rap. It was 31 hours long. Here's a clip published by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Got some more upbeat, though I like this beat. I need something that can make them all move their feet. Frizzy began freestyling on Saturday morning at a local mall, and rapped almost non-stop until Sunday night, only taking five-minute breaks each hour. And this potentially record-breaking performance wasn't just a notch in Frizzy's belt. It was for a good cause. 
He used the event to raise money for Music Cares, a nonprofit that helps artists in need. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 